Australian's hard. It gets it in, is hard. Yeah, you go from like Australian to New Zealand to English, and and we're just dumb Americans. <laughs> Hey, welcome to the Tuesday Night Podcast. It's the podcast all about the stories we make on, around, and under the gaming table. This is episode 113. Lucky 13. I'm Alan Gerding, A-L-A-N-G-E-R-Ding. And with me, I have the white to my rice, Sean McCoy. (laughs) Hello. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It's 2018, and this is our first regular episode in the new year. We're back to just the two of us. Just the two of us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm getting over a cold, so I feel better. Better than I was in the Star Wars episode, that's for sure. I don't think I'm coughing anymore. But the new year was a good time for me. Good time. 2017 was not a good time for me. 2017 will probably go down as one of the roughest years in my life, but it's good. It's all good. So 2018, I'm really excited. I think that's what we're going to do this episode. We're going to talk about our aspirations for 2018. How does that sound, Sean? That sounds great to me, because like you, I also had a rough 2017. But I think one of the things I like about our partnership and our company is that we tend to be very forward focused. We're always looking at what we can do better, what we can change. And we talk a lot about things we look forward to. And that's always been a part of our dynamic. That's always been a part of our relationship is looking forward to the next Kickstarter, the next game, or the next convention. How about we, before we step forward, we take a step back and just give a bon voyage for 2017 and talk about some of the things that we've already done. For instance, Small step back, Star Wars episode, that was actually first thing 2018. But another thing that I did recently, I did a role-playing game with the Board With Life Adventures podcast with Donald Schultz. We did... Lady Blackbird, which was a one-shot role-playing game adventure, and he just posted that recently. Hunter Shelbourne was on it. We also had Sam Vega, which is the brother to Isaac Vega. Hilarious because he claims that that's his claim to fame. I'm famous because my brother designed Dead of Winter. He's actually a really good role player. (laughs) We also played with iHeart Museum's Nicole Hoy. Oh, of course. It was a good group. Very different kind of eclectic group. I I almost shouldn't even mention it because it's only for Patreon backers to board with life. So there's a paywall there. Maybe you should mention it. I guess I'm pimping it for Donald and the board with life crew. So they do something cool, which is he charges per episode because all the other Patreons that I'm a part of, they charge per month, like this much per month, whatever you donate. But Donald, he charges per episode with a cap. He said, we'll never do more than four episodes in a month, which is really cool. So if he actually does five episodes, it's to your benefit. But if there's a month for some reason where they don't produce any content, nothing, no charge. 
And I really like that model. That's really smart. Yeah, it's a good thing to think about for us when we inevitably, hopefully, what I've been nagging to do is take this podcast to the Patreon model. Boom. And that's a great segue into one plan for 2018. Just a little teaser is definitely going to be Patreon. In fact, I think we should do a let's brainstorm how we're going to do this Patreon episode. For the knaves, knights, casual listeners alike, right now what I'd love you to do, if you have any ideas on what you want us to do and what you'd like to see on a Patreon for a Tuesday night podcast, please email us via podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Your ideas, your requests. Do you want some type of prize? You think in shirts? You think in pins? You think in Slack channel? What are you thinking? Alternate podcasts. Us to stop. That's your chance to pay us to shut up. Like I'll pay you not to do podcasts. Could you get different <laughs> hosts or something? Something. Yeah, but let us know. Podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. What about you? What have you been doing recently towards the end of 2017? As you saw the other day, the end of the year is kind of fun for the number cruncher and me, where I total up our sales on Amazon and what we did at conventions. I compare them to the years previous, and I try to come up with some takeaways as far as you know what worked, what didn't, what are mitigating factors. Like We were out of stock of Two Rooms and a Boom in 2016 for nine months. And we were out of stock of Two Rooms and a Boom in 2017 for three months. So we improved that quite a great deal. And our goal for 2018 is to be out of stock for zero months. And so it's nice to see that incremental progress. And that's one of the fun things I like to do at the end of the year is just sort of see what the high scores were. Speaking of high scores, the other thing that I started doing before 2018 is I started logging my own gameplays in that app you recommended, Sean, Board Game Stats. And it's so pretty to go ahead and see it. I've been playing a lot of games over the holiday, which is crazy because I'm up for tenure at my professorial job. And what I should be doing, even right now, instead of talking to you, I should be working in my portfolio. It's this big ass book. You basically have to give a committee and say, hey, I want to be unfireable. And here's all the reasons why you shouldn't fire me, because this is what I've been doing for the past umpteenth years here. So, and the reason it's originally called tenure is because it's after your 10 years of service. Anyway, so that's what I should be doing. I may not be able to do an episode perhaps next week, and maybe I can bring in B-Team. I know B-Team Will really wants to do an episode with Logan, so maybe we should cash in on that. That was a fun thing for me in 2017 as well, keeping track of my board game stats for a number of reasons. One is I've tried really hard to not rapidly expand my board game library, but to really play more of the games in my board game library, to contract And the app is actually very comforting in that I feel less guilty. I realize that, hey, I play several board games a month, Um, not as much as the like one a day or four a week or whatever that you sort of get in your head is the expectation in the board game industry. I think I've told this story before, but somebody was asking me, some couple was like, oh, are you into board games? I was like, yeah, I'm pretty into board games. And then I had to be stopped and reminded, no, you're in the top, top, top. 99th percentile of people who are into board games because your entire livelihood 
is dependent on it. And you can get this warped view living in the board game industry that maybe you're not into board games as much as other people are. Because you know the, the super fans, the people who can afford to play every day, all day. They're always at tournaments and things like that. They're at every convention. And you have this sort of keeping up with the Joneses mentality. But the truth is, this is an industry about playing games and having fun. And the app actually reminds me when I look back on it, how much I've really played and how many great memories I have. Yeah, I'm pretty confident that... At this point, Sir Byron Morgan probably plays more games than I do because he does a good job of posting on social media pictures of games he plays, just click blurbs. And I think that's the equivalent of people taking selfies of them at the beach or traveling or something. That's the equivalent in the board game industry. It's like, that son of a bitch. He's playing so many more games than me. He's got such a better life than I do. Oh, it's nice to actually keep track. So <laughs> speaking of which, 2017, let's look at your board game app, Sean. Any big revelations there from 2017? What you played? What was fun? What stands out? Let's talk games. Let's talk games. Let's talk games. It's time for a table talk. I'm glad you brought this up because I definitely wanted to do this on the podcast. Let's see. Looking at my insights for 2017... I started tracking maybe halfway through the year. I played 81 games. I'm sorry, no. I played 81 times. I played about 37 different games with 68 different people, uh, which is pretty cool. But the big thing for me that I've been learning is there's a difference between your favorite game and the games you play the most often. Similar to, there's a difference probably, Alan, between your favorite movie and the movie you've seen the most. Would you agree? Yeah, but it's close. They're similar, but very different. I think the movie I've seen the most is Ninja Scroll, as weird as that sounds. And it's still one of my favorite movies. It's the only movie I can watch again and again and again, and I just get sucked in. Although it's been years since I've watched it now. And anyway, yeah, all that to say, I'm on this boat ride with you. I've been meaning to watch Ninja Scroll, so I put it on my iPad. And the last time I tried, because I haven't seen it before, and I know it's one of your favorite movies, and I like anime also. And I pulled it up on the airplane on the, my way to see you one time, and it immediately went to like a either a sex scene or a violent decapitation or something. And I was like, oh, I, I really can't watch this in public. <laughs> it is definitely an R movie, for sure. It is not for the faint of heart, and it has some deplorable scenes. That's kind of the point. It's a dark world that it takes place in. And I haven't seen it in years, like I said, but that was my grease. Because at one point, I knew all the words to the movie and could talk along right with it. I'm not sure I know anyone else who's seen that much Ninja Scroll. I just love it. Because I saw it when I was younger, and it was my first anime that I loved. And it was when I realized, oh my goodness, these Japanese cartoons are like adult movies. This is so crazy. So I felt like I was part of this underground society looking into something I wasn't supposed to be. And if the parents walked in and saw you watching, as long as it wasn't one of those horrific scenes, they'd say, oh, he's just watching cartoons. <laughs> oh, but it's so much more than that, mom and dad. You really shouldn't let me watch this. <laughs> mm. That's pretty much identically my experience with how I got into anime as a kid. It's cartoons, but for grown up sort of thing. And I would probably say, like, my favorite game is Go or Dungeons & Dragons or Thunder Road. But the games that hit my table the most, the top three were 
King Domino, which I played a ton with my mom. Listeners, if you don't know, Alan for Christmas got me Queen Domino for us to play together. Super sweet of him. You're welcome. And then Insider by um, Oinky Games, which I've played a ton, and mostly because it's so easy to break out. It takes about 10 seconds to explain. At a party, it fits a lot of people. We played it over Christmas a bunch. And then Euchre, which really gets a lot of points just as like a good trick-taking game because when you play it with a group of people, like with a couple, you tend to play it all night. Trick-taking games almost aren't fair because you just play them over and over and over. Even when you're playing, you know, first to five wins or ten wins or whatever, it's one of those games you can log a lot of plays of very, very quickly. And then I had a lot of games that I played once, you know, like Clank in Space or Ex Libris I played. A lot of those are Board Game Geek. I'm really happy I played Twilight Imperium for the first time, maybe the only time, but that was really fun to play. Burgle Bros. So you see here a lot of games, even games that you play once and you love, when you're scrolling through your like list here, you're saying, man, that didn't, that really didn't hit the table that much for me. Whereas a game like Play to 3000 hits the table a lot, or Sushi Go hits the table a lot. Even ultimate werewolf hit the table a lot for us just because my mom loves it so much and that's what she wanted to do for her birthday was play ultimate werewolf and tombs and a boom which was really sweet of her (laughs) adorable adorable what about you what is your list starting to shape up like new year's it was the only time i felt like i had a genuine break i have family come in from out of town and they're really into games so shout out to you cousin rj uncle bob aunt linda You guys rock. But anyways, so we got to crack out a whole bunch of games nonstop, and that was even more efficient than a game convention. We just played game after game after game. My list is extensive, of course. We had to play Monikers. We even played Hit or Miss, which is a classic game from Game Right Games. Played some Werewords. Here's one I didn't really mention officially on the air is Triple Agent. And Triple Agent is actually a phone app that you pass around. It's basically the resistance, but it's all run on a single pass and play phone. And it has this really cool thumbprint mechanic. It doesn't actually read your thumbprint, but it pretends it does. So you have to hold your thumb there and then it slowly loads the information. Unfortunately, my cousin brought up, we didn't play test this at all. Here's a big winner. Telepathy Magic Minds. I was up all night long playing this with my cousin RJ and Telepathy Magic Minds. We'll just do a quick elevator pitch for this. How about that? Quick elevator pitch. Hit me. All right. Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Let's see. You're an Australian. Uh, yeah. Let's just, just do straight Australia. Okay. Oi, and good day, mate. Course I began this here elevator pitch by saying good day, cause I'm Australian. Let me tell you about a game called Telepathy, Magic Minds. In this game, you race head to head to see who can be the first to correctly guess the opponent's secret square. You have a whole grid in front of you, yeah? This grid has over a hundred little images on it. You gotta choose one item on this big grid. Use strategic thinking deduction, a little bit of logic, and some sharp memory, yeah? It's like Mastermind meets Guess Who. In the game Guess Who, you've got to figure out who the other person is, yeah? Well, in this one, you're not just trying to figure out someone's face, you're trying to figure out a symbol, a color, a row, and a column. When it's your turn, you simply ask your opponent if it's any one of those specific symbols, if it matches its color, symbol, 
row or column, they say yes. But if they say no, then you know it doesn't have that color, icon, row, or column. So you scratch them off on your little grid in front of you. Then, as the game goes on, you see if you can figure out your opponent's color, symbol, row, and column before they figure out your color, symbol, row, and column. It's that simple. So, good day, mates, and have fun. <laughs> I didn't really tell you the spirit of the game there. I just basically told you how to play because it's basically the spirit. I should have just said, it's guess who meets mastermind. And when I played this, my cousin RJ said, what's mastermind? And I said, oh, wow. Are you insane? Mastermind, an exciting strategy game of cunning and logic where you must break the hidden color code to become the new mastermind. He touched his green shirt. Oh, got it. How did he do it? Now I'm the mastermind. Step aside. Explore the powers of your mind with Mastermind from Krona. Have you never played Mastermind? I wasted so many hours of my youth playing Mastermind with my friends because we felt like we were geniuses. And if you don't know Mastermind, it's the one where you choose the original is just four colors out of like five possible colors. And you, so you get this code and then they guess what the code is and then you tell them if they have the right color in the right spot with like a red pin or if they have the right color but it's in the wrong spot so if you have all four red pins it means you got it you got you cracked the code if all four of the pins are white it means you have all the right colors you just have to get them in the right order if you have no pins it means man none of those colors are in the actual code but that's mastermind and that was telepathy but the big winner that everyone seemed to love that I played the most, Clank in Space. Because my beautiful partner, Crystal, bought this for me for Christmas. I played it with Crystal, my family, and people loved it. So we just kept on playing it. So she liked it. It wasn't too complicated. It wasn't too intense. Because I thought she might, your deck building love. You just sent me a picture over Facebook of the classic mastermind. Is this in your collection? Did you take this or did you pull this off the internet? I pulled that picture off the internet, but I just bought that version of the game in December. I saw it for five bucks at Half Price Books and I was like, oh, I got to snag this. And then my dad was like, oh, I used to play Mastermind forever. And then I saw that it won a Spiel de Yaris, <laughs> like what? way, way, way back in the day. That game has been around forever and apparently so is that award. Wow. Super good, super old game, super classic. The other one that we played that was a real surprise hit, this game I've never even heard of before called Santa versus Jesus. Have you heard of this game, Sean? Have you heard of this? No, I haven't. It's a party game. You get two teams. You split into either Team Jesus or Team Santa, and you're trying to gain as many followers as possible, either as Jesus followers or Santa believers. It's one of these games where once you play it once, you can't play it again. So it has, I think, three or four play sessions in it. And there are these self-contained, basically, envelopes. You open up and it has a stack of cards. And you just go from top to bottom. And it's different tasks. For instance, a lot of it's trivia. Team Santa asks Team Jesus, how many disciples were there? How many commandments are there? And how many, and I forget what the last one is, and then they have to figure out what each of those numbers are, and then they say their final answer. So there's like trivia. There's other weird things like optical illusion puzzles. There was actually like a word finding one where it was you had to find the word God in a word find search of nothing but D's, O's, and G's. So it's a little blasphemous, 
it has humor, but once you play through it, can't play through it again because you already know what all the questions are. So it has that kind of escape room-esque puzzle feel to it, but versus. And of course, there are team challenges where all the teams are going at the same time. Pleasantly surprised because I was expecting it to be a piece of crap since I hadn't heard of it. And it was one of these games that you buy at probably Target or something like that. Mass market cash grab. But it was really good, actually. We really enjoyed the puzzles. What about you? Anything else on yours? Nothing of huge note. (laughs) But I think with that, it's good to maybe good to transition to what we're looking forward to this year. What do you think? Yep, let's go to a topic of the episode, 2018. Boom. Excuse me, Sam, do you have the time? But of course, it be topic time. So I think for me, the biggest thing in Tuesday Night Games, other than maybe bringing the podcast to Patreon, is more games. Is We're ramping up, we're growing, we're maturing as a company just a little bit. I think it's time to run more Kickstarters for more games. I think that's what's best for us. And the biggest one, the one that's closest on our docket that we're pretty excited about, is That's Not Lemonade, formerly You Mad Bro, if you've heard of it before. By Matt Fantastic. Matt Fantastic has been great. I'm really excited. He's a wonderful designer, great guy, really just fun to be around, unique character in the tabletop industry. I think it would be a dimmer place without him. So I'm really excited we're getting to work with somebody like him. Yeah. And we're working now on the manufacturing, the timeline, when we're putting together the Kickstarter, but we're hoping early this year. It'll probably be the first thing we do in 2018 of note. We need to get him on the show before the Kickstarter release during the Kickstarter. And that will be one where I have to give the warning that this is most likely going to be a Cards Against Humanity rated episode versus a Candyland rated episode. Because man, Matt Fantastic says it how it is and how he wants to say it. But I can't wait to get his game. And then we also have Two Rooms and a Groom. It's going to be the first standalone expansion for Two Rooms and a Boom, obviously. (laughs) And then we were thinking Hansy for Game 3, which is hands down the handsiest game around. I think what will be exciting, there's going to be a lot of stretching this year, because obviously that's three major projects to kickstart in one year, uh, and there's only two of us. But I think it'll be a good kind of stretch. I think it's... uh, time for us to move into that running more kickstarters putting out more games without sacrificing sort of the fun quality that we really like where we really just head over heels about the games we release but also stretching us to have more games of the pipeline come to conventions with more new stuff so we can work with more fun people and because honestly we just we guys like alan and i tally up a lot of a big backlog we we're always seeing things coming up with things that we'd love and we'd love to get to and it's now it's time to just start pumping them out because i don't think we want to die or end Tuesday Night Games or, or whatever with a lot of games on our docket. I think there's a lot of games that we want to publish and that we want to get to before we've really felt like we've done it all, if that makes sense. It doesn't make sense. Could you explain that more? Of course it makes sense, Sean. The only other thing that I have in my looking forward to 2018, maybe going to a pack show, because I've gone to one of those once, but... We want to increase our repertoire of going to shows. But I also have, I should say pipe dreams, like things that you'd really like to have happen in 2018 that you probably don't have time, resources, money, or whatever. But this seems somewhat in the realm of reality. But 
mostly you're shooting for the stars. Does that chime with you at all? Do you have any big aspirations for 2018 that you think this probably won't happen, but it's possible to happen and I want it to happen? Million dollar Kickstarter for sure. (laughs) That'd be amazing. Here's one thing I would love. I would love to do some project with Sir Byron Morgan. Man, mentioning him twice in one episode. That's crazy. But we talked about calling my game collection. I have way too many games. And I think it would be great if I could get rid of them and give them to homes in need. And by that, I mean knaves and knights and nobles alike that would like to grow their game collection with mine. So if I could do that either as a YouTube show or as maybe a sub podcast that would be on our Patreon or something. I don't know. That's one idea. Here's another one. I've started dabbling with Caffeine TV, which is a competitor to Twitch. It's still in its alpha. If any of you follow me on social media, you may have seen some posts just randomly and occasionally that say, Alan's playing Dark Souls 3 on the PC. And I'd actually love to play some Jackbox games with the listeners so we can actually have an interactive streaming session. So everyone can just on their smartphone go ahead and enter in the Jackbox information and on their computer they can watch us play and host Jackbox games. So that way it's like we're having a game night with the audience. I want to play with everyone who wants to play with us. I want to play with most of the people who want to play with us. Yeah. Jackbox TV with our knaves and knights. That sounds cool. That's my 2018 plan. And get hired for tenure. Become unfireable. That sounds awesome, man. That's really exciting. Hey, Sean. I want to be more active following you on social media. How do I do that? You can follow me on Twitter at Sean McCoy. That's S-E-A-N-M-C-C-O-Y. I'm just kidding. I don't want to follow you. I want to follow the podcast and our company, Tuesday Night Games. How do I do that? We're on Twitter at at PlayTKG, or you can email us, podcast at TuesdayNightGames.com. Yeah, and please do email us with your thoughts on Patreon, because we want to have a Patreon episode real soon. I've got some guests lined up. I also have some more emails to get to. But Sean, I, I don't want to follow you. I don't want to follow the podcast. I want to follow me. How do I do that? You could find him on the tweets or on the F book at Alan Gerding. That's A-L-A-N-G-E-R ding D-I-N-G. Yeah. And I think with that being said, this episode is. Let's hear your Australian, Sean. Finished, Mike. Thank you. <laughs> Dick. <laughs> <laughs>